Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. <laughs> I can't really even see you, just your hair. <laughs> I'm not wearing my glasses, so <laughs> there's a shadow with, with hair. But it's still good to have the hair here. I'm glad to have you here and to be here in the Father's Church teaching today. My name is Stacy Maston. I'm with the Father's Church. And this is our Sunday school class. And um, it's a true source of training and um, development of the saints as we come together to teach on behalf of what God is doing. And we know that we are still those who are learning and we are uh, being developed to take this message into the nations. And this is what we should all be doing, is um, allowing the Lord to develop us for the tasks that lie ahead for us. As I uh, was pondering this teaching topic, as we all do, you seek the Lord and you wait for him to disclose to you what is on his heart and what he desires for you to release as the teacher into the body. And um, last Sunday, I was praying in the balcony, and he gave me this passage in Second Thessalonians. And I read that chapter, and I thought, well, I don't really know a lot of that stuff. You know, there are some things that are just out of our wheelhouse. We, we haven't gotten the revelation, but the Lord apparently gave that to Pastor, and he taught on it that Sunday, which I thought it was really cool to see that happen. But as I was looking at that chapter, I saw... This word deceive just really lit up for me and became a point of focus. And so I, you know, I did a short word search on my phone, which I can do, and it's kind of just to see where it might lead me. And I thought, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to look into. And, you know, whenever I began to really study it, I just thought, this is not even a topic I want to talk about. This is in, in these days where passions are running so high and offense is so readily taken with things that are said, uh, even when you say it from the perspective of what the Father is saying, a spiritual perspective. So it's very daunting to me to, um, to attack this subject before you. But I am going to do it as it, I was led to do so. And I, I hearken back to the beginning of this pandemic. And from my perspective, when all this began, and it began in the middle of our seminar, you know, I was not troubled by the events themselves, but I knew as the days progressed and I was not allowed to do anything, I couldn't come to church, I, you know, I couldn't go out as I normally did, um, and I had to pray at home. I'm already praying at home every day anyway, so that was not a new thing, so I was prepared for that. But not being able to pray with the saints in my church, um, that was different. But I continued to do faithfully what I had always done with you all together. And I did it because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And I did it because that's who I am. That's who I have become. After 20-some years of doing this, I wouldn't know another way to approach any day of my life without prayer and without um, being in agreement with what God is doing in, uh, in our midst, in our body, in the saints. Because regardless of where my physical frame was, my spirit was coming into agreement in the symphonio of what God was doing through us in this nation and in this world, despite the circumstances that we were facing. And that's something I feel like the saints had been prepared to do as well, that I was not alone in that endeavor. I was not feeling alone or somehow forgotten or I, mean, I, I felt none of that, none of it. But I knew that I had to be in a place where I could by myself discern what God was doing in the midst of this craziness 
because we have to admit that in our lifetime, we have not seen anything like this. We, none of us have experienced any of the things that we have witnessed in the last two or three months. And that in itself is uh, notable for any of us, right? We have to look at things that are happening and be able to discern it for ourselves. Now, with all of the things that are happening in the media and in social media, and I, I stopped watching TV altogether, no news, <laughs> no news at all. But I did continue to um, view things through the eyes of Facebook. And it really upset me many times, the things that I would see people posting. And I knew that I was not in agreement with some of it, and some of it I was, some of it I was, but the bottom line for me was how do I posture myself with respect to my Facebook friends? You know, where do I stand? How do I engage? Do I engage? I mean, I had to discern day by day what the Spirit was saying to me based on the things that people were posting. And, and you all know that the, the, the narrative, the overall narrative was the same, but the details changed. I mean, one day you're supposed to wear your mask, and the next day it's going to kill you because you're breathing your own air. I mean, and it's not doing anything anyway. And then it was on the surface, but now it's not on the surface, and the surface that you touch. You know, and all these things were back and forth, and who did it, and how did it come about, and what is the agenda. And I'm telling you, all those things were floating around, and I knew that for me personally, I had to get a grasp on how I felt about the spiritual atmosphere of what was happening, despite where I was physically, that I was without the counsel, basically, of my peers. I mean, it's not that I couldn't reach out, but I knew this was a training time. This was a, a time for me to be with the Lord and to see what, you know, how he was going to lead me, because in the future, am I going to have you guys? At some point, are we really all going to be together? I mean... You know what I'm saying? I know that I have to be developed and trained in a way that I can function on my own when I can't reach out to someone that I know and trust. And, I mean, God forbid, and not God forbid literally, but I don't want to be in prison, you know, imprisoned at some point. But we know that those are, you know, there are, there's talk of it in the Bible. So... <laughs> You know, we don't know really what the future holds for each one of us and what we're going to be called to walk through and endure. But I do know that whether we're together or not, we individually have to endure it. That no one can do that for us. And so I, I, um, I was continually bringing forth those things that I was feeling and seeing and, and kind of comparing it to the things that I knew to be true. You know, what had I always learned about these situations of strife? And then you have the, the, the George Floyd incident, which was, we can all agree, an egregious, an egregious thing that occurred. And so that would not be the focus, that it wasn't egregious and that it was unjust and that, you know. But how do you respond to that injustice, injustice? How do you respond to you know, all of the flaming emotions that are, you know, wanting vengeance, that are wanting to, you know, see some action based on this offense. When the Bible clearly tells us not to take offense, what is our recourse when something happens to us? We have to forgive. The vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's the bottom line. So, I mean, all of the rhetoric, all the things that were said, all the things that matter really are an agenda of the enemy to stir up strife between the people of this nation and the world so that there's no coming together according to what God is trying to do. So we have to know that anything that, that is not lining up with what the Bible says about a particular thing, like the offense that occurred because of that murder, we still had to take the stand of forgiveness. We still had to do what Jesus says to do. We have to be a, in a place of reconciliation with one another. We have to walk in the agape. So 
So as I, and then for me to say this feels like that, you know, I'm not caring, that I don't care what happened. I don't, I don't, care, what, I don't care what happens to people of color, which is not true at all. But at the same time, I, to say the truth, to say what is spiritual, to, to, to say what, to, to repeat and affirm what the Bible says about a situation is where I knew I had to find myself as I was seeking the Lord regarding these things. And so, you know, I wasn't looking for a way to teach about this. But when you enter into these things, this is how deception comes to you. So let's say you're the very elect. I know I'm not getting into my scriptures, but honey, when you're on a roll, you just keep going. When, when this, you know, when the offense comes to you, you have to lay that thing down no matter what. And you have to be the one who, who doesn't enter in to the rhetoric, who doesn't enter in to inciting the strife. Because when you do that, you have missed the mark. And when you have missed the mark, you are going to enter into deception. You have opened yourself up for what the enemy, how the enemy wants to lead you in that. So we have to be so careful. This, this is a volatile time. And as people enter in with their emotions and their opinions, and we all, get, we all have them, and we, Lord knows I do, but I have to lay my opinions down. I have to lay down what I want to do. See, whenever I was younger, and I was in high school particularly, I had smaller friends. Of course, you, that wouldn't be hard to believe because I'm so tall, right? But I didn't have just a friend shorter than me. They were all just really short. And so I was always, even when I was younger, I was always taking care of people, my friends. Because I was stronger, I was bigger and able, and so I was always doing that. But when I got into high school, it just became this thing where if someone had a grievance with someone that they couldn't deal with, they came to me so that I would confront them, which I always did. <laughs> because I just wasn't afraid of people. And it's not like I was dealing with Amazon people or something, and they were giant. But I just wasn't afraid to deal with that injustice on behalf of someone who couldn't deal with it themselves. So, honey, I would be the first one to take up for someone who had been wronged. And so when I came into this walk, that was seriously, aside from also being willing to come up against authority, which I was very prone to do if I felt like they did something that was unjust. I mean, I was just not afraid to deal with people who I didn't think were doing something right. Because, of course, I knew. Because <laughs> I was always so right. But the point being that that was a huge thing that God dealt with me that I could not, I could not um, come against authority and I could not take up an offense for another person. See, that's a noble cause, and that's how the enemy comes in. It's so subtle, because of course we don't think that what happened was okay. Of course we don't want anybody to be mistreated because of their color, or because they're ugly, or because they're weird, or because, you know, for anything, we don't want people to be mistreated no matter what the, the reason is. It's not okay. So that's a very just cause to take up on behalf of someone else, which is what this world has really done. They've They've taken up an offense for a group of people. Now, that group of people is worthy. It's, I'm not saying that they're not worthy to be supported. But taking up an offense is still missing the mark. So we, we can't be deceived in that. We can't be deceived in that action, even though it feels right to do so. So I am going to get to my sheets. I know you don't believe it, but I really am right now. I only spent 20 minutes on that. <laughs> and I have five pages. Oh well. We'll get where we get. And really the first half, there's two parts because there were two words and you know they're derivatives that spoke of deception. And I, we're going to do the first study and then we'll see where we get on the second one. So it's okay if we don't make it through. So everybody doesn't have to panic. So this first word 
that comes out of this passage in Second, Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. It says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is the end game. This is the enemy agenda in like two or three sentences, okay? But what we need to look at and focus on in the midst of what we know the enemy is trying to do is that we protect ourselves from the measure of deception that he is trying to bring against the saints. Now, we know he has a great influence in the world. Anyone who's not seeking God is just really vulnerable because you know, everybody's looking for meaning and purpose. Well, I think that this event gave a lot of people that purpose that they're looking for. You know, they're living for, you know, the vengeance or the justice of this event. So the saints, however, he's trying to target the saints through this same means. Will we let him? Will we allow what we see being, and we're, Listen, we are the only ones who can police what we read and how we respond to what we read. That's it. We're the ones who have to police that. And there are some posts that I just read the title and go, skip. I mean, I don't go there. And I, if I do happen to read something, then I'm not going to start an argument with somebody just because I agree with their position on it. You know, we have to guard ourselves from entering into a place where deception can actually affect us. Exapateo. That's not how you say it. That's the way you say it if you're in Portuguese. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think that's right either. But, um, but it means to seduce wholly, to beguile, to deceive. So I did a little Googling of Wikipedia definitions just to look at these words in our vernacular. To deceive means to cause someone to believe something that's not true. And it's typically in order to gain some personal advantage. The second one is to give a mistaken impression. And the third is to fail to admit to oneself that something is true. So we know that this first one is big time going on right now. People are on purpose spinning lies to deceive the masses, to control the masses. We, I'm not going to go into detail because I'm not, I don't want to start that argument, but that is happening. Plus, there are people who are failing to admit to themselves what's true. That's happening. Seduce means to attract someone to a belief or into a course of action that is inadvisable or foolhardy. So this, again, this event just totally speaks to that. They're really, I mean, some of the things that I read on Facebook, it's almost bullying. It's shaming if you don't do something. You're, you're being branded as someone who doesn't care because you're not taking action. Uh, I wouldn't call that attractive, but I think that that, that, that essence is what's happening to a lot of people who are, who, who are coming into agreement with it because they feel pressured to do so. And then beguile is very charming and enchanting. But usually in a, it says sometimes, but I would say in a deceptive way. You know, the enemy is very subtle. There are some things that he uses in an attractive package to lure you into this same thing just from a different perspective. The enemy is very subtle, and he's always going to hide behind some good cause. I mean, because we are people who want to stand for other people. We don't want to see anyone, you know, be mistreated. So, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, a great weapon of the enemy. Romans 16, 17, and 19 through 19. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And avoid, and avoid them. Wow. 
wow, this is very anointed. This is very anointed. Just everyone take note. Divisions is dichostasis. It means disunion, but it literally means two histemis. So divisions means that you are trying to disrupt and to divide the purpose of an histemi and that power base. Offenses is scandalon, which we've heard a lot about. It's a snare, a trap, an obstacle. It causes you to bend. But this is the thing about offense. It leads to bitterness. Now, we know that if we do this and we take an offense and we don't forgive, that we will enter into bitterness. And I'm sure we've all done it from time to, you know, from one time, at one time or another. Um, because it's part of our walk. It's part of actually the development of a saint is to go through that point of bitterness and overcome. But we know that the world who is not at all considering, well, I know that some are. You know, I know that it's not all the world. So bear with me when I globalize this by saying that for the most part, unbelievers are not forgiving. They're, so they're walking in a bitter state. So we are to avoid them because what they're doing is contrary to the doctrine that we have learned. And they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own agenda, their own desires, their own yins. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. These two um, descriptions, the good words and the fair speeches, really are just talking about um, the words that are useful, the words that, that, that actually bring about, um, you know, you're speaking of the, the, the good virtues, um, and the world has a set of their own good virtues. And the, the fair speeches, the eulogia, that's a new word, something that's new, that also kind of aligns with their agenda. That's going to deceive the akakos, those that are kakos but say they are not kakos. So these words, which they're just everywhere, they're, they're being spun and spun and spun by the media. It is just a continual loop of what I'm talking about. You know, you think about the media and the virtue that they are talking about. They have the highest virtue, folks. They're coming from such, you know, a sincere place when they talk about the things that they discuss. That's why the people who don't know what's up follow that rhetoric. They believe that rhetoric. And they are in the cacos, which is the raw. It is that which is, you know, it's the, the twisted purpose of God. They're walking, the world is walking in this twisted purpose. And that, that narrative is absolutely punching that and causing this whirlwind of activity that we are seeing. And it's, gosh, it's, it's kind of amazing when you see how easily the world is being controlled by these events. Listen, when I walk into a grocery store and see people in their mask, I, I just think, am I in a, you know, a sci-fi movie? Because people are so, I know that it's, you know, I know why we're doing it, okay? But it is, to me, it is a sign of what people will do when they're told to do it for a certain reason. We were completely controlled by the agenda of this pandemic. And when you see that mask, it is just like a calling card of the enemy to me. I mean, that's, that's what I see when I see a mask. All these cute masks that people are wearing to me, they're not cute. They're not cute at all. And I am wearing a t-shirt sleeve. I have not spent one dime on a mask. I cut a sleeve off, cut it off, and I put it around my ears. It's really cute. <laughs> but I do wear it. But I refuse to go cute on that, that mask. 
Well, that was just an aside. That was a freebie. Okay. For your obedience has come abroad, abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is agathos and simple concerning evil. And I didn't put this on your sheet, but the next verse says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. I love all this, you know, all this, all these warnings, but then it says, hey, but then God's going to take care of that, and it's going to be quick. But we have to wait on it, of course. But when it does happen, it's going to be quick. So the, the obedience of this group of saints is, is noticeable. It's, it's impacted. It says, the obedience has come abroad unto all men. So our obedience is having an impact. We don't see it. We don't recognize the full impact that it's having. But I'm telling you that our obedience is having an impact. And he wants us to be sophos to those things that are agathos. Now, sophos, it's a practice skill set or established acumen of the world. But apparently in this case, it's talking about having that skill set and that development so that you can um, focus on that which is beneficial. The agathos is not the purpose, purpose of God, but it's that which is benef beneficial to the ongoing purpose of God. So whenever we are continually rehearsing those things that are beneficial, we are sophos. We are, we are showing that, that we have this practice skill set. And this established acumen is, our, is a strength for us. Okay, now we know that this word sophos is also used negatively of those who are wise in the world and they have a worldly skill set, they have a worldly acumen that they use to make their decisions and they, they think that they got it going on. But, and we know that, we're going to look at that in the next passage, and we know that that is not godly. And the simple, I'm not going to try to say that word, the simple is someone who or people who are not mixed in or not mingled with the cacos. So this is what we have to do in the midst of these, uh, well, the, I mean, the, the, the enemy has just played a couple of huge cards within a very short time. I mean, he's, he's dealt some pretty big hands coming into this, and um, you know, it's just the beginning. There are just, he is just priming the pump. He's just kind of getting the people into a particular mindset so that they can be easily manipulated for his own aims. 1 Corinthians 3, 18-23, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be sophos in this world, let him become moros that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness or their own cunning and subtlety. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are empty and vain and have no effect. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. They're all yours because you are Christ and Christ is God's. Because we find ourselves in this pathway of sonship, all these things that God affords us in this world, all of it is ours according to his will and purpose. Not willy-nilly do what you want, fly by the pants and have your own way. That's not what he's saying here. But as we submit ourselves to this pathway and what God is saying for us to do, all these things are ours. We are the sons. We are the heirs of what God is doing. But in this passage, we're talking about the sophos and the moros, which, you know, is also patterned in, in other passages in other, you know, with other focuses. But basically, anybody who is trying to operate in this, the wisdom of this world is, is not going to succeed 
at some point, that wisdom is going to fail them, is what I'm trying to say. But it says, you know, become a fool. Become one who seeks the mystery so that you can actually have that acumen that is spiritually motivated. And so this is something, that, of course, that we, um, we ourselves, we do this. We seek the mystery of God so that we are developed and trained in those things that are spiritual so that things that we see, we're able to compare with that spiritual acumen and that spiritual development within us that is, is a part of wisdom that God gives in order to function. Because we have to have that acumen, we have to have that training in order to, to properly deduce and strategically move forward with the light. I mean, we're parting with God, but we have to use the skills that he's given us so that we can do that properly. I mean, he didn't, he's not raising a bunch of dumb stumps. He really is training you to be, to be spiritually adept. And that's, that's a good thing. We don't think we're all that, but we definitely need to know what's up in order to go forward in him. I mean, listen, just even the very simple thing of hearing from God, that was a huge hurdle that we all had to do, right? 20 years ago, hearing from God was like, what? And we had to be trained in that. We had to exercise that gift. We had to continually go before the Father and then seek to hear what he was saying in order to become a person who hears from the Lord on a regular basis. If God is speaking, we are listening and hearing. I mean, sometimes God is not speaking, but that ain't our fault. We just take what he does say, when he does say it, and we do it. Now, uh, a derivative of this word is a pate, and you'll see that it has a very similar liking to um, a, a, I should say, a Latin etymology of this word, pater, which is father. As I look this up, there actually is um, a particular language that pate. I don't know how you say it. I didn't even look that up. I didn't check that. But apate is father. So this, this word, apate, means fatherless. And I think the people that we are dealing with who are trying to deceive are fatherless. But look at this word. It means delusion. So I, again, did a Wikipedia lookup. And it says, an idiosyncratic belief or impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is generally accepted as reality or rational argument. And it can be thought of as a mental disorder. But something that the enemy is doing is somehow convincing people of a particular narrative or argument that you can clearly show that is not true. Just even the accusations against Trump saying the things that he has done, and it's just not true. But the people don't want to believe that. I mean, they have been taught to hate this man and to regard him as absolutely evil, and that he has... He does not have their best interest at heart. That you know, whatever their whatever their line is, but this to me is any time you have this obvious. Now maybe it's just obvious to us. I just don't know. It, it it's so mind-boggling to think that some people are falling for um, the you know the the things that are being spoken about um, Trump and and other things. I mean it's just clearly not true, but. Anyhow, we, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14 reads, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the propagation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. And this is the next word that we're going to look at if we even have time. But it means to stray, to roam, 
the children of Israel, their hearts were easily taken off track by their own, and it was mainly because of their own bitterness. And this was a nation that was in bondage for over 400 years. Slavery. Are we catching the, you know, slavery. The children of Israel were slaves for 400 years. They were emancipated by Moses. But the 40 years they spent in the wilderness were because they couldn't get over that point of bondage. Their bitterness destroyed them. They didn't get to go to the promised land because of their bitterness, because they kept hanging on to the offense. See, offense is just, it's of the devil. Offense is bad. It ruins you. It ruins who you are inside. But they always erred. They would always stray because of, of they didn't have water. They didn't, got tired of the manna. I mean, they were just, it was one thing after another, yet they were just in the midst of the presence of God, and his signs were all around leading them. And how, you know, you just, the mind boggles over these things. And, and trust me, I, I'm not even singling out the African-American who, who lived a similar experience because I have found myself in the same point of bitterness through the same, you know, oh, poor me thing, and I had nothing happen to me as bad as, as that. So we can easily all err. We can all be, we all, all go astray in our hearts because of what we're believing in our hearts, because of what we're hanging on to in our hearts. And it can be just an, an idea. It can be a, an opinion. It can be the way that we think that things should be. It could be because we were hurt by something or someone. And anything that you hold on to that you don't completely lay down and surrender before the Lord is going to find you in a place of always erring in your heart. But the place of freedom is laying that down. But it said they did this because they didn't know the ways of God. And that is where I think the real crux of the problem is, is that the ways of God are not being sought after, even by many in the church. And without that connection with his seven spirits and the fullness of who he is, you know, you, it would be easy, I say more easy, to stray. In verse 11, so I swear in my wrath that they're not going to enter into my manuka. Now, it's not manuka, obviously, in the New Testament, but this is hearkening back to an Old Testament um, verses. And so we know manuka is the abiding presence of God. They did not get to enter into that land of promise where, you know, they were going to have dominion and they were going to represent God on, in the land. They did not get any of that. Verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. I think I read something wrong there. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so this evil heart of unbelief is a poneros heart of unbelief where you're not coming into agreement with the things that are coming from the throne. And that evil heart means your mindset is screwed up. You've got a twisted way of thinking. You really have a propensity to miss the mark. It's not missing the mark itself, but it's that twisting that you've not dealt with before the Lord. And therefore, it is going to cause a hardness. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened. And that's where I got that, because this is where that's going to lead. If you don't deal with this, you will have that sclerno, that hardening, that dry thing that clogs up the ability for you to flow freely um, in the plan of God and his spirit. That you would be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And this is what I was talking about as I, I brought this word up for delusion. I, I defined it, and this is what it means. Deluded of sin, you are missing the mark, but you're deluded that it's, it's some other thing. You're not really grabbing hold of the truth that it is leading you in the wrong path. And that you're not going to find freedom when you go that way. That's what this deceitfulness of sin is. 
For we, though, are made partakers of sonship, of Christ. If we echo what has come from the Arche, which is really original purpose, those things that are first in rank and time and power, of our confidence steadfast unto the end. That word hypostasis, we should recognize that right away. That's obviously staying under uh, or, you know, being obedient within your hystemae. Hypostasis and steadfast is basis. Well, it's not basis. Basis is the root. It's like basilia or something like that. It means to be stable. And we know from the teaching um, a few years back that um, this word basis is really talking about our feet in that point of taking dominion. So this is how we must conduct ourselves. We exhort one another daily. And that, I'm sure, is, um, has to do with the parakaleo, exhorting one another to come into alignment with what the Spirit is doing. We have to exhort one another every day. We, we have to be partakers of Christ in that development of sonship. We have to echo within ourselves and meditate and make it a part of who we are so that everything that we see is absolutely compared to the thing that we know that comes from the arche, the beginning, that original purpose, the purity of what we have learned. And this way, we can remain in our, our histeme, doing and fulfilling the purpose of God, and go forth taking dominion in a steadfast manner, as it says here. Colossians 2.8 Beware lest any man spoil you, spoil, <laughs> spoil, beware lest any man spoil, spoil. well, I'm just going to be Texas no matter what, you're just going to have to deal with it, <laughs> spoil you and lead you away, that's what that means, through philosophy and vain deceit. Philosophy, I have never seen this. I, I'm sure it has probably been told. It would be surprising if Pastor hadn't mentioned this in the past, but I'm telling you, when I saw that this was made up of philos and sophos, that was philosophy. I mean, duh, that is just like right there in our faces. Philos and sophos. We know that philos is being the friend or liking something or being fond of something, and that wisdom, sophos, it means people who are fond of, of wise things okay and we know that's the wise things of the world is what we're talking about here and the vain deceit you know this empty delusion I mean it's not true it can't hold water it's got it's got nothing to hold it up but there it is and they're absolutely embracing it after the tradition of men, those things that have been set up by men. I mean, how many things in the church have nothing to do with God? They're just things that, that man put together based on what they read in the Word. You know, they, they interpreted it, and they set up these traditions that people must maintain. Or, you know, you're just not a Christian. And after the rudiments of the world, rudiments is a fundamental principle I would say, but those would be, I, I know when I looked it up, it said something like, uh, it also defined it as marching in order. Well, think about that. The rudiments of the world, marching in order to the world agenda. Blah. And not after sonship. Not after that development as a son. Not as one who has totally surrendered who they are to the purpose and plan of God in order to fulfill what God is saying for this earth. Listen, if you're, I think in this day, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any fence time anymore, folks. I mean, I think a lot of people have really spent a lot of time on the fence, putting a little bit of leg in the world and a little bit of leg in the church. They don't really stand for anything. I'm sure their opinions vacillate depending on how whatever they're saying benefits them or, you know, aligns up with their favorite people or, you know, whatever, whatever. Because people are motivated. 
motivated by so many crazy things. Um, and I was too as well. Listen, I was, I was the craziest. And I thought, always thought I was right with my opinions. And I'm telling you, if I had been to church today, I'd have been, I can't even tell you what would be going on with me right now with all these things. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to have been delivered from reacting in that way, from being able to see things from a, a spiritual perspective. I mean, talk about knowing the truth and it's setting you free. That is a daily occurrence. Knowing those things that have been hidden and that he has reserved for us to know has brought freedom to us. We are free from fear. We are free from having to uh, join into the malaise of the conversation and to public opinion. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what God is able to do in sheltering us. That's the hiding under the wing thing. And we are seriously you know, hidden under there because of what we're standing for, because of what we have put inside. I say we put it. God put it in there. We sought him for it. But the things that he has placed within us have, you know, have absolutely recalibrated uh, our spirits and our hearts are, are yearning after that thing that's in our spirit to be done. And our minds, um, which we probably have to deal with because of our, we still have opinions, we still have emotions, we still have to deal with the things that we see and we have, to, we have to decide what that means for us. Our perception has to judge it and then we decide what to do with those things that we're thinking. But our mind then, we bring into subjection to that. And we're able to do that because we are in prayer, because we commune with the Heavenly Father, because His stamp has made it an indelible impression upon who we are. And to do anything other than that is just, it's a ludicrous endeavor. It's like saying, I'm going to go just walk across the highway and think I'm going to live. That's a ludicrous thought. But people basically know better than to do that, right? So in their thinking, they have determined that walking across the highway like 635 and living is probably not two things that go together. Well, this is the way we feel about the truth. Without this, we can't live. We can't function. We can't survive in this atmosphere. And I'm telling you, Christians who are on the fence are going to find it. There's going to be a great line of delineation, and they're going to have to choose where they're going to stand. Second Thessalonians, I am just preaching today. And I did not see any of this coming, just so you know. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. I think this is part of that same initial passage. And with all deceivableness, delusion. Delusion of unrighteousness. These are visions. These are things that people... Um, an unrighteousness is, is probably a vision that you know, has another agenda. And it can just also mean not following after the vision of the Lord. But there's a delusion in that when you don't have the vision. In them that perish. And see, when I first read this, I thought it meant just the people who die. The word perish means to destroy fully. So, with the delusion of unrighteousness in them that apollimai, which is like a derivative of Apollyon, the destroyer. It means to destroy fully. Because they received not the agape of the truth. They don't, they don't passionately pursue, pursue the truth, those things that God is revealing that were once hidden that are now being revealed to us. Because we know that we have to be those who walk in the truth. We're partners with God to bring forth those things which are hidden. But these people, anyone who is in a delusion of unrighteousness, they don't agape the truth that they might be saved. Doesn't it feel like people don't want to be saved? I mean, they absolutely oppose the message of a Christian. Have you felt that? They don't want to be saved from what they feel and from what they're going through. 
there is high levels of anxiety and depression and all these horrible things that the that uh, our kids generation are dealing with and they act like they don't want to be saved from that it's it's very sad it's very sad and for this cause god gave i'm sorry and for this cause god shall send them strong which is not like a power word they just means to be active or operative so it will be an active delusion god is going to allow them to to live in their delusion and not be delivered from it but these are people now let's let's keep reading that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned to believe not the truth they will not um, um, they, they won't pistis you know that's belief that's faith but they have pleasure in unrighteousness okay what it, what they're doing this unrighteousness seems right to them they think it's good they approve of that and because they're seeking after and they're seeking after that unrighteousness and I feel like many are doing it uh, quite willingly and that is why God is going to allow them to be taking up taken up in the solution that they would just be living in this lie oh my gosh I'm praying for them I want everyone to hear and believe the message don't you I want them to be saved I don't want them to be in this delusion I've got five minutes and I didn't even finish my first word I don't know what has gotten into me Apatiteo, this is the root word of both of the first words that we just looked at. And it means to cheat, to delude, to deceive. To cheat means to act dishonestly or unfairly in order to gain an advantage. And delude means to impose a misleading belief upon someone. You know, all of this, as you can see, always has an agenda. It's always in order to, take an, to have an advantage over people. And that's why the deceivers, um, the deceivers who deceive and who are deceived, they have an agenda. There's something to be gained. Um, now, people who are following and being deceived, I don't know what they're gaining, other than maybe they have, they feel some measure of, of purpose. But we know that those who are, are um, actually manipulating the masses for their own gain, that's what deception is. That's what cheating is. It's basically doing it just to, to um, propagate their own, their own livelihood. Ephesians 5, 6 through 9. Let no man deceive you with vain logos, empty, empty logos. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes in darkness, or you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So I put there what the, this, the children of disobedience, they really are aligned with Belial and the Antichrist spirit. And I'll read this. Um, really that is a wickedness a worthlessness it has no profit it stems from the root, root word bella which means to fail or to wear out or decay delisle delisle delila belial deals in iniquity and cover up in corruptive speech and tell bearing are we seeing a little bit of this are we seeing a little bit of the activity of the children of disobedience I think so but we know that we have to walk in the light and in the fruit of the Spirit it must come forth from us that goodness that callous purposeful thing righteousness that vision and being those who walk in the truth who bring forth those things that God is revealing in this hour those those truths really bring life and freedom to those who will hear James 1 26 to 27 if any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue but deceives has this is cheating his own heart I just think that's crazy this man's religion is vain it's empty 
but pure or catharos religion and undefiled or unsoiled or and unsoiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To visit is a word um, episkeptomai, and it means to inspect, to watch, to select. And when it talks about the uh, fatherless and the widows, we know that that is not talking about literally an orphan or a person who's lost their spouse, but it's speaking about those who don't know the father, they are fatherless. And the widows are those who don't have a covering. So this is a spiritual dynamic. As is always the case, we like to relegate it to earthly things. You know, man likes to take care of, likes to take care of this injustice in its own way. I mean, if man doesn't have God who says, I am your vengeance, the vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If a man doesn't have that, then he gonna, he's going to do what? He's going to rely upon himself and others to, um, to be in agreement with in order to bring about their own justice. But we have to look at things spiritually. And when it says to visit the fatherless and the widows, we know it's ministering to those who are looking for a father and for a covering. And we have to keep ourselves, in our terio, we have to maintain ourselves there to remain unspotted from the world. If we remain faithful to the place that we've been planted, doing those things that we faithfully know to do, we will not be spotted by the world. And I've written a definition. Spots mean um, they hinder the flow of the move of spirit in the midst of the saints as the saints go forward to the agape, according to the agape. So as we have absolutely adhered ourselves to the agape in that passionate pursuit of the purpose of God being fulfilled, spots try to hinder that movement. Spots destroy pure agape. If you go after something else, things that are not important, if you take up a cause, if you take up an offense, it is going to soil the agape that you're trying to partner with. The agape is that passion within you to fulfill this purpose that God's given us. And, of course, it talks about the, um, the spots also. It has, because they're mentioned in Scripture and other places, clouds without water, carried about of wind. So, obviously, you're just blown about. You know, you've got no, no anchor. Your, true, your trees uh, have fruit that withers, or you have trees that have no fruit. I mean, these, these things are what are spoken of, spoken of regarding spots. So you can see that I have a whole part due, another lesson with, an ex, with another word that talks about um, being deceived. And it's, you know, it's a really good teaching as well. Uh, if you want to read it, go for it. If not, it's okay with me. Uh, thank you all for your rapt attention, and uh, although I can't really see you, uh, no one heckled or threw any fruit, so <laughs> I feel good about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you, Father, for what you have um, placed within each one of the saints so that we have truly this guard about us. We have this protection upon us. And we stand in the midst of your grace. And we have your agape um, that's deep within us. And it is resolutely a part of who we are. And we cannot um, abide by any other truth or any other um, message we have to stay true to what you've shown us from the beginning. And we just, I just pray, Father, that you would release, release an anointing upon your saints for these coming days to, to remain steadfast in their histeme, to remain strong in the things that you've given them to do, that we would not waver or fall prey to, um, 
the rhetoric that is being released on these social media pages that, that we have been, you know, we're able to interact with. We need to be able to police ourselves, and I pray that you would give us wisdom as we look into these things and as we see these things. Let it be a point where we pray for people instead of yelling at someone about not believing what we believe. Why don't we just say, Father, touch that person that they might know the truth, the truth of your word, and how you want to use them and how they have a, a calling and an identity in you. So, Father, give us a perspective and a discernment in this hour to be able to see these things clearly and perceive these things and, and to make that quick judgment between the Tob and the Ra as we go forward. We love you, we praise you, and we are so thankful to be um, in this calling, in this partnership with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.